welcome to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy who just doesn't have much time for anything but taking care of his newborn son and looking at Zip's projections, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Uh, doing rather well. My sleep is just a touch better today. So I'm, uh, you know, got a touch more energy to talk about, um, the world of Mariner baseball as, as it, as it exists here at the end of 2023. So I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm not doing too bad. I'm not doing too bad. I can tell you got a little bit more sleep. Uh, you still got the, uh, the, the facial hair growing in at a very rapid pace for you. You know, you usually not usually clean shaven, but um, you know, you, you normally don't have the full beard and mustache. So, um, you know, it, it's just wild to see. I, I could tell you're, you got a lot going on. So keeps me warm during the winter. Yep. Yeah. Well, it keeps me warm 12 months out of the year for me. So <laughs> <laughs> before we get into everything, thank you again for taking time to listen to another edition of this podcast forks down. Um, that's of course, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Um, we're getting a great response, uh, from you guys, just looking at the listens, um, you know, higher numbers than we've been doing ever before. Obviously people are wanting Mariners content. So hopefully you stick with us and we are your source for Mariners content. Um, if you're a first time listener, Hey, thanks for choosing forks down. Bo and I have been doing this for 80, 80 some odd podcasts now. And hopefully, you know, you like us. Uh, you want more of what we're uh, dishing out here, and we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk. If you haven't already, go hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, find us on Threads. Just search Forks Down Podcast. You'll see our logo there. Um, you can also hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app. You'll get notified about new episodes dropping. You can rate us. Usually it's a star system, one to five. If you love us, give us five stars. It'll just help us. Um, get more visibility on our podcast. If you don't like us, give us one star so we can just talk crap to you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just wanted to you know, fly through that, Bo, because uh, while it doesn't feel like there's a lot going on, I, I feel like there's a lot to talk about. Um, so let's get to there's there's no transactions this week, but let's get to some off season notes. Um, you know, I want to I, I I see your list here, Bo. Um, cause Bo's normally the one that does the, uh, the outline for us. And, uh, one kind of pops out a little bit more to me than the rest. Um, just because I, I was, I don't know if I was kind of confused when I saw it, but maybe I would just wanted to get more insight from you. Um, Red Sox were inter- interested in some Mariners young pitching, you know, obviously Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, maybe Logan Gilbert. I'm hoping George Kirby wasn't on the table there, but, uh, the, the Mariners kind of rebuffed it. Um, you just do you think they weren't getting like the trade package they wanted from the Red Sox and they just kind of hung up the phone on them? Um, I think it's probably pretty likely. I just don't know if the Red Sox, like if the Red Sox have a good package that could be put together. Like, yes, if the Mariners were looking for prospects or if the Mariners were, you know, looking to rebuild the farm a little bit, then sure, the Red Sox have a pretty good farm right now and it could make some sense to do that. But, um, the Mariners, uh, I don't have to tell you that the Mariners aren't really looking at that right now, right? Especially for a Gilbert or uh, a Kirby or even a Brian Wu or a Bryce Miller, right? If they throw a prospect in addition to somebody else, could be more interesting. But um, I just don't know if there's anybody on the roster right now um, outside, obviously, Luis Urias, who they got previously. Um, that would be of interest to them for some sort of deal for one of our guys. So. Um, I think it, you know, it speaks volumes to like just the the rotation that the team has put together. But um, I think the Mariners, from from everything we've heard thus far, it kind of seems like we're 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 going to hold on. We're going to try to hold these. I'm calling on the big five, right? The the core five that we have there. Really seems like we're going to try to you know hold on to those guys, and um, I think it makes a lot of sense given. Um, you know, their success last year and what it like could all be there. But um, I think it also makes sense to maybe at least try to talk them into some sort of trade deal. But the Red Sox, going to the Red Sox, don't really have a deal there to be made unless something like Tristan Casas comes up. Um, I just don't really see much on their roster to do something there. And you could also talk about a little bit of a gaming too that I think the Red Sox are in like the rankings and, you know, um, the AL right now, the Red Sox are a little on our tail there. So maybe there's a little bit of a don't want to help your, you know, don't want to increase your, 
competitions, you know, plate there, competitions, um, you know, rotation. So maybe there's a little bit of that, but who knows? Um, but what about you? Anything stick out to you in that report or why was this stick out to you in particular? I just, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know who the Red Sox would have offered up to, to be taken serious. We're not wanting prospects at this point for any of those guys. Um, and <laughs> I'm sure if we did trade one of those guys for prospects that the, uh, <laughs> the, the fandom would be up in arms about it. But um, no, I mean, Seriously, let's look at their roster. Devers just signed a contract extension, probably is not getting moved anytime soon. Jaron Duran had a kind of a breakout 2023 for them. I'm sure he's not on the table. Yoshida, not on the table. Casas, maybe, but I would feel like they'd be more inclined to keep him. So, I don't know. It's just a very, very weird report to hear. You know, we got Luis Urias for Isaiah Campbell, so it was like, what more did we want to do with him? That wouldn't it have been done earlier. I don't know. It's just, it was a weird report. It just stuck out weird. I'm like, that, one thing's not like the other. <laughs> These other, you know, the other things we're going to mention here. One thing's not like the other. And that just kind of stuck out a little bit. Yeah, I know. I, I get you there. And um, I think it's, uh, I'm, you know, I, I do wonder, right. We're trying to read through the tea leaves on a lot of this because we just don't have a whole lot of Mariner news. So, um, maybe at some point the Mariner has been floating these guys out there, or even asking about them and the Red Sox picked it up. I thought they would just ask. So, um, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting and maybe there's a deal to be had for, you know, obviously something more than Duran or Casas, right. If maybe the right deal is there. So maybe there's a little bit of that showing, but, um, yeah, not shocked, not surprised by it all. You know, with the Red Sox being interested in the Mariners, young pitching Mariners, came out, you know, a, a report or, you know, however you want to put it, um, came out that the Mariners were interested in Reese Hoskins, who I, I'm not surprised at this point that they're interested in just about everyone. You know, I think, you know, you could be a doomer and look at it as, oh, they're they're going to be interested just to appease this fan base. But um, I don't know. Mariners need a DH sort and Reese Hoskins would, would probably be a good pickup, good power. Um, you know, be interested to see how he can hit in T-Mobile because I feel like Philly was kind of more of a hitter's park. Um, you know, obviously more of a hitter's park than the Mariners T-Mobile park is, but um, I don't know. You think Reese would be a, a good addition to this ball club? Um, yeah, well, and I also had it came from John Morosi, which has has all sorts of um, question marks lately. So take that with a grain of salt. But um, I think with the I think with the previous I know note on Jorge Soler, I think it probably makes sense that the Mariners are um, looking at some sort of DH options. So it made sense um, for when it comes to like trying to fit these guys in. Um, it all comes back to like the batted ball profile for me if they're going to work well in T-Mobile and. Um, you know, Reese has had, you know, his injury plagued in 2023, but, um, you know, has a history of a solid, you know, savant page, solid red number, solid um, batted ball profile. So I think that that's going to play relatively well in T-Mobile. Um, you may not see like the 30 home run power. It might be a little less than that, but I think it could still potentially, you know, play pretty well in T-Mobile. Um, but uh, as is life with the Mariners now, it all comes back to just, how much he wants, how much he was going to get and how much, you know, can the Mariners pay to get him. Right. So last I heard was like one fifteen, um, you know, a one year deal, something like that on a prove it deal, which I don't know if the Mariners have quite adapted to, or like wanted to take on unless I'm, you know, misthinking. Right. But, um, I think he would be an okay fit just for like first base DH option that we sorely need. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's also a little difficult because I think that's still fresh in my mind with AJ Pollock and you know Colton Wong on these one-year deals that these guys had. So still fresh. I think with his bad Paul profile, there's probably a little less risk there, but you know still injury prone. So, but how would you feel about a one-year, fifteen million dollar deal for for Reese Hoskins? Well, if that's all the Mariners have is twenty million, that'd be a a pretty good chunk to one that, player. That would be it. Yeah, um, that'd be the budget. Yeah, for, for for someone that's uh, been hurt for the last couple seasons. Um, obviously I think he'd probably improve this roster a little bit. Um, you know, we need someone that can come in and hit. And like you said, he's got pretty good, uh, um, baseball savant page, you know, red numbers is always good to see on there. So, um, I wouldn't mind it. Um, 
I'm kind of scared of like, you know, you said one year, 15 million. And a lot of these projections are not going as planned this year. Uh, you know, um, I, I feel like you could probably get a little bit more, um, especially from another team. Uh, you know, you, you, you look at, a uh, Yamamoto, Yoshinobu, uh, Yamamoto right now. Uh, his projections were set somewhere in the $200 million range. He might possibly be looking at four now, $4 million, which is wild to me, you know? Um, $400 million. That's your, you said. Oh yeah. Did I say four? <laughs> I meant 400. I meant, I meant 400. <laughs> Two to a four, 400 million. Um, what was it? Uh, Kim that just signed, he, he got more than his projected, um, Cody Bellinger's looking for $200 million. It's just like, man, I, this market just keeps like inflating. Like, I don't know if that's just because of Otani or what. Um, but it just, I don't, it scares me what, what it's going to cost to get a free agent in this market. You know, um, the only one that I feel like that was very, I don't know, I would say realistic was Guriel and he went back to the Diamondbacks at a pretty reasonable rate. You know, something I probably might've paid as, as the Mariners, but, um, yeah, it just seems like the Mariners options are kind of getting thinner and I think they're getting, you know, if, if, if everything's true about what they can pay and not pay, their options are becoming thinner as everyone's getting more money. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. Getting more money. But I'm also hearing like, and we're, we'll, we're you know, one of the next points we have here is all the talk about root sports, but I also hear something about, you know, the Rangers and a couple other teams are going through kind of the similar thing. So I don't quite know what to make of it all, but uh, I think you, I think you are right that the market does seem to be going up. It's like, I look at fan graphs and fan graphs had Lords at three years, $36 million. He ended up getting three years, $42 million. Um, which, which is more than reasonable than what's been happening. Right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. It's much more reasonable, and um, but the market's only going to get tighter, right? So you wonder. Yeah, so you have to wonder if you know, Jorge Soler, Reese Hoskins, these guys are just going to kind of wait it out until teams get either more desperate or they're kind of playing the staring game where one of them is hoping the value goes up and the other one hopes the value goes down. So we might just be in this kind of purgatory for a little while here in terms of just like. Yeah, where are these free agents going to do, and what are these free agents going to sign them at? So um, it's a, it's an odd spot to be in. Yeah, yeah, and you just brought it up. You know, there's a lot more quote unquote financial burden on this team as the Mariners took 100% control of Root Sports. Um, if I'm correct, you can you can fill in the blanks here for me. Mariners had a 71% owner ownership stake in Root Sports, and the other 29 was by comcast if i remember correctly um comcast sold that off to them now you know they've got 100 percent control which you know not only does the mariners have to try to put a good winning ball club on the uh on the field but now they have to worry about 100 percent of the financial burden that is root sports um you know which which is going to be interesting to watch just because you know the other teams that own their own um, regional sports networks are, you know, teams like the pirates and we know how the pirates are right now. Yeah. And the RSLs, RSLs, RSNs are like, they're just a mess across baseball just in general right now. And you can just attack on the other part of this to the Mariners here. Um, but yeah, it's more or less that Warner brothers discovery. Well, I think it's been doing layoffs and oh, let, it, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery. My bad, it wasn't Comcast. Yeah, but I mean Warner Brothers Discovery, like they've been doing layoffs and trying to cut back costs. I really think since COVID, so like it's no a surprise that they've did this too. And I think the I think the probably the part is like I think this was somewhat predictable that this was gonna end up happening, and um, it kind of seems like the Mariners are treating it like a surprise, and then we've got to you know hemorrhage all this money all of a sudden. So I think that that's probably a frustrating part. And the way I think of this is like you're doing renovations on a house and you're trying to make your house better, but then like you, you sprung a leak or you have a busted pipe somewhere that you just got to kind of fix. And that's kind of the way I'm looking at this. So you're like, Oh, well, I'm not going to be able to fix the roof. I'm going to have to be able to fix this piping, right. To kind of get this to run. And that's kind of the way I'm, that's the kind of the way I'm approaching this. Um, Cause it's like, and it's, 
it's like we're gonna have to take 100 percent of this now and we're gonna have to put more money in this to get the games out to our fans but the game isn't going to be as good because we're not going to invest as much as the team. So it's kind of a little bit of a back and forth of this now, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's just an odd place to be in because um, they're at, it's like, you're gonna have to spend money on this, but we want you to spend money on the team, but you know, we're not gonna really be able to do that one or the other. So it's uh it's a frustrating spot to be in does just to add to more of the frustration of the Mariners off season. Um, but I mean, it's ultimately a problem, right? It's ultimately a big problem that they have to figure out at some point um, across baseball, just in general, it just uh, comes at just a really, a really unfortunate time for the Mariners. I, I wonder what kind of options they're weighing right now in that RSN kind of battle, because not only on root sports, sports is the Mariners, the Kraken play on there, the Blazers play on there. Um, I think root sports picked up WCC play. That's where a lot of the Gonzaga games that haven't been on ESPN have been on there too. Um, so it kind of makes me wonder if they're going to have other teams invest. I know we kind of had a discussion about it and you think the Kraken and Blazers should just 100% stay away from this. But I mean, what happens to them in the case that, you know, Root Sports tanks and, you know, they're out of a TV contract, you know? Right. So it's like you, you know, you're a hundred percent responsible for sports now. So everybody that's on your, um, you know, on that platform or on that channel now you have a responsibility to. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's like you're, you're trying to run two different businesses at the same time now, and you're a hundred percent responsible for one that you used to be just, you know, 33 quarters percent responsible for. And, um, yeah, it all makes sense why the Mariners are trying to figure out some of these financial sides. Um, but yes, I think the Kraken and the Trailblazers, they should all you know stay away as much as possible, right? Still have the games on there, but the production costs or trying to get you know in with the Mariners in it to own a portion of it, I think is just the wrong move, just given how RSNs have just continually just declined year over year and cable conscriptions continue to decline year over year. So it's a real challenge. And I was going to read out, so I'll just read out the two options, right? As you, you you mentioned the options. So like they, and I'm stealing this directly from the Seattle times and Divish, but um, it says the Mariners could absorb the operational costs of producing the live games and just continue as is in 2024. Um, But like the, the cost of those games, it's not exactly like a hundred percent, like, understood like how much that's going to cost now that warner brothers is backed out right um that seems like the most likely one because i think it gives the team just more control over producing the games and making sure that whoever does subscribe to it via xfinity and rootspin vixivity and fubo get access to the games uh, but yeah the second option is that um they could partner with major league baseball and major league baseball takes over more control of the rsn so one is like you're the first one is you're you're getting the most control. The second one is you're getting the least control. And it seems like the Mariners are probably going to be leaning toward the most control one for the time being, um, just to make sure that whoever can currently see the games can continue to see them and, you know, eventually figure it out sometime during the year, hopefully. But um, yeah, leave it to the Mariners to, you know, one of the big off season things they've had so far is driven around, you know, the, the TV rights to it all. So um yeah, just challenging. It very much is. And it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on because, you know, this isn't just going to affect this year. I mean, this can affect a lot down, down the road, you know, um, we've got a lot of players that, you know, are going to want contracts and, you know, we, we could be paying money more for TV. It's just, and I don't want to claim like I know 100% of this, like I'm sure there's a, a lot more to it. There's probably a lot more than Divish is putting on, like, you know, with what he put out. Um, so there's, there's probably a lot more to it. I'm just, you know, as a, as a fan of baseball, I just want them. I kind of want the RSNs to end and I want blackouts to be a thing of the past. Like I live in Idaho in like almost the central part of Idaho. And, I'm still in the Mariners viewing area. So like I get blacked out a lot of their games, you know, if I'm not using Fubo or whatever, then I have to use a VPN, which would then put in the less than legal or however you want to look at it. You know, (laughs) Um, I'm still having to do stuff that's frowned upon to watch the game. So it's like kind of want a thing that, you know, want it to be a thing of the past. And it's almost like major league baseball should step in and just, make it a centralized thing 
you know, if you want to, you want to put them all on MLB.tv for, you know, for everyone, that'd be great. I, I don't know. I don't want to claim I have the answer there because I really don't know. Um, but it's, it's definitely a situation to watch. Um, there's, there's the echo chamber on both sides of this that uh, you probably shouldn't listen to too. It's really hard sifting through the information because people have taken this as, you know, it's already been doom and gloom for this whole off season so far. And people are taking this as just something that's going to completely shoot this, uh, this team in the foot here so um you know tread carefully for your information on this (laughs) yeah but i i mean ultimately like the average fan doesn't you know care about most of this stuff right this is all just noise like why should i care about any of this right like just go make the team better right like that's just the hope there um but uh yeah the context of this sometimes helps in understanding why a team's not going to do what that sometimes so um but yeah it seems like we're just making it more difficult for for people to watch their favorite teams, right? This even goes to like the Kraken and um, a couple other ones, right? It just seems like they're making it more difficult to watch the team, and it just uh, yeah, it's just tough to tough to continue that. So um, we'll we'll monitor it. You know, I think we'll probably know more in January, like once they get a full hundred percent ownership of um, you know of the of the network there, and see what unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, don't you wish you were a casual fan just sometimes? We don't have to deal with all this stuff. We can just go endlessly cheer for the Mariners. Endlessly cheer, carefree, don't have to think about this team constantly and the headaches that it causes us. Yeah, that would be that would be nice. Yes. Um, that, that we certainly wouldn't be doing this if we were casual fans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, we, we brought a lot of these uh, these players you know reese hoskins or guriel going back to the diamondbacks you know and we mentioned that the options are kind of becoming thinner and you know part of that is people are getting signed part of that is the market is going up um you know you well you you think this team's running out of time to sign someone you think you think um you know we're gonna get ourselves into a situation where we're gonna have to settle for you know this year's tommy Lestella, colton long um aj pollock or you think they uh they might actually surprise us you know sometime in january um hmm it's a tough one um i i think that there's like i said since the eugenio deal i've always felt like there has to be just something else coming um so like I I don't think I think there's still plenty of time and the rest of the market is moving pretty slowly for the most part. Yes, there's some guys getting picked up, um, but kind of seems like the rest of the market's going to move slowly going into January. So that's when I anticipate you know more action to come. But um, I don't know if it's necessarily moving. I don't know if it's necessarily running out of time for us. Like I just don't know, given our financial constraints, how much like that would matter to us, right? Like if it happens now or if it happens in February, it just seems like we only really have one or two deals in us to make based upon our financial constraints. And yeah, I honestly think that it might end up coming down to, um, yeah, somebody like a Randall Gridchick or somebody at the end of February that's looking to get a deal. That seems like very likely scenario for the Mariners right now is maybe it's not as uh, <laughs> meaningful as we would like it to happen, but um you know, I think in addition to that, there's still plenty of time for a January deal to get done, right? January, um, or I'm trying to remember, the, was it a February deal when we, we ended up getting Jesse Winker and Eugenio the first time? I can't remember if that was January or February, yeah. but I mean, there's still plenty of time, right? So like if the if the Rays either, you know, end up deciding like, hey, Yandy Diaz, Randy Rosarina, Isaac Paredes, we actually do want to move these guys. Very, very a whole lot of time for that to still happen and a whole lot of time for the Mariners to to stew on you know guys they have how can they fit them into the future or, you know can do they like Harry Ford enough to keep him do they not like him enough to move him or other prospects etc there so I still think there's a lot of time the market's moving a little slowly and I think the trade market especially seems to be moving somewhat slowly I know that Tyler Glass now just got moved but um seems like there's still plenty of time to do things. And I don't think we should be, I don't think we should be, I think we all really want things to happen really fast because we've just been so depleted these last couple of weeks with salary dumps and 
RSN news and what have you. So I think we're all a little anxious and just, uh, I think it's coming. I just think that the opportunity cost and the, you know, the price of moving somebody is really high and you know, there's a lot of attention being paid to a lot of it. So, um, what about you? Do you wish the team would be moving with more urgency right now or kind of what's your thoughts there? I think, I think I would be wanting them to move, move with more urgency, but also I, I really feel like some of these contracts would not be great for the Mariners, you know, that, that we've been seeing handed out. I mean, there's not been a lot of them, but, um, you know, it just hurts us in the future. And, um, I, I do think, you know, something is going to get done. Like I, I have no, I, I hope I have no issues with saying that, you know, come spring training, I could be changing my tune a little bit. I'll be the first to admit, man, I was, you know, I was dead wrong sitting back here in December saying, well, something's going to get done. But, um, you know, all these, all these moves has just been leading to something bigger. Something's going to happen. Um, you know, uh, like you said, it it took Showway getting it getting signed, and then free agency wise. Now I think everyone's kind of waiting on Yamamoto because there's so much. I don't know. Like I said, he was projected at 200 million, but he could now be sitting at 400 million, which is just mind boggling. You know, there's there's him going on. Cody Bellinger wanting to, um, you know. So I, I think once some of these pieces start to fall a little bit more than, than the trade market will open up and you'll see the guys like a Rosarina, like a Jeff McNeil, a Santander, uh, India steer, all those guys kind of, you know, be made available if they're made available. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not in a rush. Uh, I, I'm not being doom and, and gloom like everyone else. And there's been a lot of that going on right now, which is just, very very tough to see you know it's like everyone wants their cake and wants it now and it just doesn't work that way i'm sorry but things things take time and i i just wish everyone could just settle down for a little bit (laughs) i'm speaking of course about the fandom because you know that's all i see on on facebook on threads on instagram anymore is just oh the mariners are just trying to throw this one away where, you know, I I've seen 54% thrown around more times than I can, uh, I can count at this point. They're only doing 54% of their job. Oh, oh. it's like, ah, please stop. Please, please stop. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, uh, Jerry's never going to live that down. Is he? So, um, yeah, no, I feel your sentiments. Um, uh, but I, you know, I'll, I'll also just reiterate, right. The Mariners have, put themselves let's pretend like there's not a reason to criticize the team and be frustrated with the team right now so like oh. and the ownerships so like it's just pretend it's like let's not pretend that there's not oh. a reason to be upset right so like um no no yeah. and that I, like i said i'll be the first one to to say you know come spring training and we didn't make any moves like man i was an idiot then <laughs> why am i being so naive on this issue because it's happened like that in the past you know i i I guess I just want to be blissful, blissfully ignorant in this, but I don't know. I know it's it's kind of wild though because nothing's happening right now, but um, you know they're starting to release projections, Bo, and uh, <laughs> this one surprised me. Zips, who uh, um, you know, like I said, Bo's been following a lot of projections, but Zips put us at eighty six wins projected with this current roster. Um. Steamer had a had his projected at eighty three, which I I seem is more than fair. Um, you know, a five hundred ball club right now is probably where we're sitting, but uh, yeah, that is eighty six is is kind of a bit for me, Bo. Eighty six, and um, yeah, I think diving right into kind of what I want to talk to you about today. Um, Dan Zimborski, Fangraphs, um, love Dan's work. Released uh, the Zips projections. And um, I think there's a couple interesting notes in here. Um, and we'll also talk about kind of steamer, what has come out there, but um, yeah, the 86 wins that Zimborski has us projected for right now. Um, uh, you know, a lot of it comes from the, the starters, right? So the zips really, really likes um, our big three of Luis Castillo, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, um, 
who he has pegged for four and a half wins, three point three, basically four wins for Kirby and essentially just under four wins for Gilbert. So respectively there um, really likes those three guys. And I think also, yeah, Brian, uh, Brian Wu, Bryce Miller, that is also got a very favorable projections of close to two and a half wins from zips. So um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that, the 86 wins is a lot driven by our pitching staff, which Zimborski talks about right now is uh, very likely to be a top five projected pitching staff in, in baseball. Um, obviously one of the best in the AL. So I don't think like it's too surprising to think about um, our team being a little bit better than 500. If you know, our, <clears throat> our offense has been so pedestrian outside of August of 2023 and, july of 2022 the last couple of years that it's been kind of average so for the most part so yeah i don't think it's wild to think that this team is a 500 team but our pitching staff puts us over that 500 mark just that given how how good it is so um yeah i was encouraged to see like the the projections there for the pitching staff on the other side of it where the other side you'll see steamer projections um steamers not as high on um luis castillo going into this coming year it actually has um, steamer actually has uh, I believe it's George Kirby predicted higher kind of war value over um, Luis Castillo. So um, steamer's not as quite as high. That's why you see us as more of a kind of a 50, 50, 50 team with um, the steamer projections just because not as high on the pitching side, but um, yeah, I think they still both really like our bullpen. Um, they do both do classify our bullpen as like top heavy with, Nuno's brash and Gabe Spire. Um, not as big as high as your, as your, as your love in the bullpen there, Mr. Justin Topa though. So sorry about that one. Yeah. Topa. No. <laughs> uh, but no, they still like our bullpen. Um, Zimborski did make a call out. Uh, Prelander Baroa is somebody like his projections really like, so um, could be somebody to keep an eye on there. Um, you know, projections wise getting a fairly favorable production or for projection there. Um, I think most notably, I don't think either of these really have, uh, you know, a decent projection for Emerson Hancock. Um, so, you know, still, uh, maybe a question mark around his health and the innings pitched and what he's going to end up being there. Um, but for the most part, the pitching side of things looks really favorable. Um, I think given both these projections going to be projected to be a top five, you know, rotation in baseball. So that's the positive news. Any, any, uh, anything on the pitching side that sticks out to you there or, you know, any pitchers you wanted to review or double, double click on before we kind of move on to the hitting. No, I, I, I do like the steamer projection in as they have Kirby more valuable than Castillo. I think he's going to be more valuable this year. Um, I'm not saying Castillo's plateaued at all. Um, he's still going to be, you know, likely our opening day starter. Um, but I think Kirby is just going to keep getting better, you know, as we go. Um, so, um, I think steamer kind of has it right there. Prelander Barroa is kind of a, a shock. Um, you know, I still think he needs to get his control, um, you know, under, under, you know, on lock there a little bit more. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, they're fairly right. Both of them the pitching staff's the best part of this team currently. So why not favorably, you know, rate them high. So. Yeah. And um, yeah, all very positive news and yeah, it makes me, yeah. I just wonder about our five, our big five and breaking that up and, you know, breaking that up is the right, is the right aspect. Maybe if the deal's out there to be had, but um, let's jump to the hitting side. So um you know, I remember the Zips projections from last year. Zimborski made a very big call out of like, this is still a good team, but it's missing like a big bat, right? Like that was the that was the projection last year. That was the 2023 projections, right? And um, yeah, the, the Zips projections for 2024, um, not going to surprise you, right? Um, very much is uh, um, the same, right? We're missing some big bats here. And um, I'll, I'll read off the top five and wins above replacement projected for the Seattle Mariners offensively here. So we have um, Julio Rodriguez with the 5.1 wins. What wait, wins above replacement? This is my shocked face right now. Um, this is my shocked face. Cal <laughs> uh, Raleigh with three and a half uh, wins above replacement. Um, JP Crawford with a very solid three wins above replacement. 
Um, coming in at number four, offensively with our wins above replacement. Um, why don't you take a guess? Who do you who do you think who do you think our projected fourth most valuable offensive player is? If you're having to ask me this question, it's probably someone like uh, Canzone. It is Ty France. So it is Ty oh. France, um, who a lot of Mariner fans at the end of the year were decrying him and saying that he needs to, you know, we need to find a different solution there. But um, it's, I think it's ever increasingly becoming clear that I think Ty France is going to be on this team in some capacity in 2024. Um, I think the positive part is both Steamer and Zips has him right around two wins above replacement, which is right around an average number for, um, you know, a major leaguer. Uh, they kind of have his numbers in between like the 270 that he hit in 2022 and like the two, whatever it was, 45, 250 that he hit in 2023. So they do expect him to bounce back a little bit, which I think is, you know, a positive sign. So I think you couple that with some of the work that he's doing at driveline and hopefully he can, you'll get back to being, you know, that two win average player that we have maybe with a little bit of less pop than we would hope at the first base position, but still a, a still a decent projection uh you know an average two win player is a is a solid projection so um but uh the fifth place the fifth runner up is newly acquired luis urias so oh. um i'll uh i mean it's a it's a fairly good um line for him in terms of like what maybe what we anticipated or what we didn't anticipate or you know, what his 2023 was, he does get it right around two wins above replacement. So you can count him as like a, um, you know, a very positive contributor to the team. Um, I think if you're, if you're doing math at home, right. Eugenio was three wins above replacement last year. Luis Urias is projected for two wins above replacement last year. So very easily can say that's probably less one win there, but, um, yeah, I think he made a pretty good note in this article where he talks about um, Luis Urias might have been better served as like our second baseman, right? Um, but mm-hmm. alas, that's where we are there. So um, let's just say then the Zips projections don't get a whole lot better, right? So Jose Caballero actually got a very favorable projection as our next pick on the list here in terms of window rubber placement. <laughs> what? Um, yeah i mean i mean it gets really rough after that right it gets really rough like where would you go with the team after that um because you have um he does have dylan Moore on here for about um when one bit one win above replacement um but then you get into taylor Trammell territory Cade marlo territory josh rojas does not have a favorable projection via either steamer or zips um so the offense is just uh his offense is just really challenged here um if you're looking for a little bit of um, if it sounds a lot of doom and gloom about the offense, um, I think it is. But if you do jump over to uh, the steamer projections, um, Dominic Canzone did get a relatively fine projection of a 255 average, 314 on base percentage and a 437 slug um, worth about one bit, one a bit, one win above replacement. Um, now I'm fully aware that that line doesn't sound very good, right? Like a 314 on base percentage, but I think given what we know about the Mariners offense and how challenged it is, I feel like there might be a little bit of upside in Canzone's game. So I thought that that was, that was positive to see. So anything jump out of you there, we're going to talk about where I think like the next best place to go for the Mariners are, but anything kind of jump out of you there in terms of the offensive side? Not really. Again, Julio, Julio Cal and JP being the top three is never a surprise on this team. Um, I do hope, you know, drivelines help in Ty France and he bounces back. I think it's possible he could, he could be closer to a three if, uh, if driveline does what it did for JP, you know? Um, and then what'd you say? Urias being number five. That's a, that's a safe bet, but that scares me that, did you say Caballero was six? Caballero was, uh, yes, the sixth most valuable That's... projected player for Zips. Yes. We can already take Zips and Steamers and not trust his projections anymore. If Caballero is our sixth best player, then we've got we got something wrong. I love you, Cobby, but just, no, I'm sorry. You're, you, you should probably be in, in Tacoma this year. So, um, yeah, that's yep. uh that's wild though. 
Yeah, no, you're you're making a you're making a phenomenal point, right? It's like uh, you jump over to you jump over to like the the Rays zips projection, and it's like Brandon Lau, Josh Lau, like those guys are five and six, right? Like their five six is really deep, like above two wins, above replacement. These teams that are competing for the playoffs, you know, have these deep teams offensively, and uh, yeah, goes without saying that the Mariners don't. So um, sounds like Julio's going to need to bring us a 10, 10 war uh season this season to, to get us over the hump 10 or season and uh yeah i'm just uh can't believe that's what we're gonna have to rely upon but it might just be that so let's just dive in i do want to make a note of like when i kind of pull the numbers um you know when you go to uh the the depth charts that are currently on fan graphs are only going to be projected out via steamer for the time being um but you know, the places where it seems like the Mariners can make the biggest upgrade, um, not going to be a surprise here, but I think we'll just kind of talk about the projections for him is designated hitter and, um, left field or right field. Um, those are kind of the two places that, um, left foot or basically a corner outfield slot is the spaces that the Mariners can make up the biggest difference. So the Mariners right now, when it comes to the DH slot are projected for, virtually no wins above replacement. So like there's like, there's no, there's not a lot of value coming from any of that. Right. Like, um, steamer has Taylor Trammell getting the most at bats out of the DH spot. So, um, you know, there, there's that. So like if I'm looking at a place where we can upgrade the most, I kind of feel like that's actually the slot, right. Where we don't have a whole lot of upside in terms of we might have, we might get some more value out of Josh Rojas. We might get some value out of Ryan Bliss, right? But like the DH spot, I just doesn't seem like it's a. It seems like it's a problem that we just haven't been able to fix in a long time. So um, I think it goes without saying, and we've said this numerous times, and we've already said it on this podcast. Like, yeah, Solaire, Hoskins, somebody to maybe fill that role. I think would be the biggest impact for for the Mariners right now offensively. Um, it blows my mind. Yeah, I just want to say something about the DH here. It blows my mind that we have a legitimate Hall of Famer who has an award named after him as a DH, and we don't have a good DH. Like, like, what is going on here? Something's wrong with this. Still. Bring Edgar in and, and teach them. Hey, just focus on hitting. Just go out there. And hit 300 for us. <laughs> Statue of the man outside the ballpark, right? And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're 100% correct. The fact that we've treated, I've always thought that the fact that we've treated the DH role is just like, oh, we're going to alternate players through and we're going to treat it, try to keep guys healthy. I feel like that just, we haven't really seen a lot of the, the fruits of that, right? So, um, like, you know what? Bring Tom Murphy back. Just let him play DH. I'm more comfortable with that than potentially game number 30 or 40 seeing Sevi Zavala having a hit out of the DH. <laughs> like, come on, guys. <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think to, to quote on that, like where I, you know, I also went and found just the projections for. Hoskins and Solaire just to kind of, you know, put a button on it and how they maybe could help the Mariners. Right. And both of them Hoskins is projected for like one and a half wins above replacement. Um, might be a little bit more if he's not playing defense. Um, and Solaire is right about just under two. So, you know, you can do the math there pretty easily. Right. You can say like, Oh, we're, you know, getting nothing out of the DH slot we add one of those guys and we exclusively dh them right it could be potentially worth at least a win maybe two wins right so like still work to do right if we even if we get one of those guys and fill them in the dh spot um you know corner outfield is the next spot for us to upgrade but i think that you know i think either of those guys does move the needle in in some capacity for us so um uh yeah that's where i would hope that we maybe end up spending our money and then focusing on a trade to kind of help fill the corner outfield. I think that probably makes the most sense just given the gaps that we're seeing in the projections for right now. Humor me. Did you go look up Gino's projection for this year? Um, uh, Kelnick does not actually have a very favorable projection via zips. So you can, you know, whatever, take that as you would like there. Um, yeah, they called it a, (laughs) they called it a tepid projection in zips. So, there you go. Um, 
<laughs> but I, I don't know. Let me see. I haven't looked up. Arizona doesn't look like it's out via zips yet. Um, I didn't actually look up exactly what they were looking like on um, the, uh, let's see. Gino's projection is, Gino's projection is right about 1.7 for the Diamondbacks. So, so it's like. So he was three last year, 1.7. And that's one thing you called out last year. Yeah. You know, in, in what if it all goes wrong, you know, and, and you said if Gino regresses, which, you know, it, it's looking more and more like that could happen, it's going to have an effect on this team. And you could say he regressed. He went from a three win player to 1.7 projection this year. Yeah, it's like based upon the projections, the the move to get Luis Urias is a lateral move, right? It looks like we're not really going to be. It looks like it does look like from the projections and obviously the projections are just projections are just, uh, you know, a moment in time of what we think it's going to be. But like, it does look like from getting Luis Urias there right now that it's just a lateral move that it's, it's going to kind of X things out. So there is that. Right. Um, so we'll we'll hope that that Urias can stay healthy and meet his projection there. And we don't you know end up feeling like we're missing out something out with Gino, which. I think we will regardless, but um, yeah, from the current time, right? Like you said, it looks like it's just kind of a wash in terms of value because Eugenio doesn't have as good of a projection as, um, as yeah, as years past. So, yep. yep. I don't know. Um, what, what do you say? You think percentage wise, these projections, you think they're 75% right? Uh, like, 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 historically i guess um you know you know what i'm trying to say here historically you think these are like right 75 percent of the time um i think per, yeah well, i think within a couple you know plus or minus a couple wins i think they're they're usually end up being pretty right when i like i think it's just kind of one of the things you have to do with projections is just kind of do a, a gut check on them right and like right now, if you go to projections like the Braves, Dodgers, the Rays, the Orioles, like those guys are all projected to be the top teams in baseball. And you're kind of like, yeah, that that feels right. Right. So like I think there's just that gut check and the Mariners right now, I think just to kind of sum it up here. And again, Fangraphs only has, you know, a steamer projected into it right now. The Mariners are, I believe, the seventh projected team or the eighth projected team. Let me see here. The Rays are ahead of us. The Orioles are ahead of us. The Astros, the Blue Jays, the Rangers, the Yankees, the Twins. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So we're projected to be the eighth team in the AL right now, which honestly feels kind of accurate. So um, I think they're pretty accurate for the most part. Going to be plus or minus a couple wins here and there, but um yeah, it feels about right for where the Mariners currently are, right about the seventh, eighth team in the AL. Yeah, that that's probably where we're sitting right now. And I, I'm sure me and you are going to do another uh, episode this year where we uh, we rank our AL teams, and I'm sure the Mariners will be significantly lower on our our list this year. Hopefully, you know that's a that's a thing that'll make this team turn around you know our like our projections matter but um kind of a side note here Bo did you see uh I think it was MLB Network they were talking about the AL Central and one of those guys was gushing over how the Royals have made moves that could make them win the AL Central um I didn't see it I'm I'm not surprised. Like, I mean, yeah, they're making some, they're making some under the radar moves, but like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, Hunter Renfro's fine, but like, is he really going to move the needle for you that much? I, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing that exactly, but uh, you know, in their defense, right. The AL central is a pretty down division. So I understand why the Royals are kind of going for it. The guardians are just kind of in a, I don't know, uh, an understood, like an, not understand what not understanding phase what they're going through. The Tigers are kind of okay. The White Sox are obviously in disarray, and the Twins are the Twins are the top leader in the AL Central, but they're still not as great. So I understand what the Royals are going for, um, especially because um, I'll just, I'll just come out and say it. Right, the Royals seem like they're trying to build around Bobby Witt, like they're trying to put some other pieces around him to their credit, right? Which the Mariners doesn't seem like they're doing. So um, to their credit, they're kind of going for it. I guess I'll say that. Right, I don't know if it really moves the needle for them that much because. Michael Walk is fine. Seth Lugo is fine. But um, yeah, we'll see how it works out for him, right? If they end up making the AL Central, then 
you know, flipping the Mariners the bird there. So, yep. Can we uh, can we petition to move to the AL Central? Can we just start an online petition and we'll trade the Royals for their position in the AL Central? <clears throat> so I know in college football, right? Like geography, like doesn't geography geography doesn't really matter that much in terms of like conferences and stuff. But I think the Mariners would have a hard time making the making the transition to the AL Central. Could just be me, but maybe that might be a challenge. Let's let's just make a change.org petition. Cause you know, those work out 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, yeah, we'll get right on that and, um, we'll probably get dozens of people to sign it. So, yep. And, and before Clay Bennett comes out of nowhere, it's like, I'll move you guys to the AL central. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that's what we got today for our show. Um, Bo, you got, uh, you got anything you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, the only thing I was going to add on the zip projection is the button it. Um, and we're going to talk about this at greater length, but, um, they did make a note uh, to say Cole Young, Harry Ford, very favorable future projections. So, um, may not help him in 2024, but something to look out for. And, you know, we're certainly going to dive into our prospect upsides in the future, but, um, yeah, something positive there to end the the podcast on. Which one do you like more, Bo? Cole Young or Harry Ford? I'm a big Cole Young fan. I'm a big Cole Young fan. Well, I think there's even a path for Cole Young to make the majors in 2024. So um, we'll talk about that sometime. Okay. Okay. I'll hold you to that, Bo. Sounds good. (laughs) For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark. And we'll see you guys next week. Brother. Thank you.